The Unstuff America podcast is hosted by the most organized man in America, Andrew Mellon. Listen in for Andrew's take on America's clutter crisis. From guns to gold, he dives deep into America's self-destructive obsession with possession and how that impacts the American dream. Get real-life tools and strategies to take responsibility, set yourself free, and live your values every day. And now, Andrew Mellon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unstuff America. I'm so excited for today's guest to introduce her to you and share her wisdom and big-heartedness with everybody. We have Sensei Victoria Whitfield with us today. Sensei Whitfield helps entrepreneurs heal while they ride the emotional roller coaster of abundant business ownership. Sensei Victoria, welcome to Unstuff America. Such a pleasure to be here with you, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, that's the thumbnail sketch, but really, what do you do for work? What's your home life like? Do you live alone or with other people? Just give us a, a very short thumbnail sketch of what, what the life of Victoria Whitfield is like. Oh my gosh. So it's changed so much within the last few years, but how things are going now is um, I, last year I published my first book um, and I travel often nationally and internationally training different teams at organizations how to really ground and clear themselves emotionally so they can have better communication not just at work but also in their lives at large so um i'm kind of like a spiritual consultant for organizations excellent and what about home life i mean so do you live alone do you live with other people what's what's the stuff the physical stuff of your life look like yeah so on the personal level Years ago, when I decided to, instead of continue in my corporate track, um, I sat down with my mother and said, I really believe I found my purpose and I want to start um, a business, but I don't want to live alone. I personally, as a single woman, I, I love living in community with others, but I personally want to only live with someone that I love. Um, and my mom is another single woman, so I rent space from her, and I get the honor of waking up seeing her beautiful face every day and our cat screaming at us. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, so your mom, so she's, uh, she's beautiful, and she lives with you, and her health is good. I mean, her stuff is not becoming your stuff yet, right? That's Right. So her health, she's very, like, gung-ho health. She's an herbalist and she has a lot of stuff. Dried herbs and so many different ball jars and I'm uh, like kind of handy so I've built her cabinets and different storage all over the house to contain her stuff. I keep my stuff within my room and one other area in the home and the rest she like rules the roost as she should. <laughs> Excellent. Great. Well, that's good. So, um, so what inspires you? What are you really passionate about? Mm -hmm. What I'm really, really passionate about is emotional health. First, for myself, is where 
my my own passion has come. I do have, unfortunately, a history of personal trauma. That's why I'm passionate about emotional health. You know, it might sound a bit dry to be passionate about that, but if you've been through some things that um, have been difficult in life, it sensitizes you to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's my drive to help others with that as well, but it stems from a deep well of personal development first. Yeah, that's what I'm the most passionate about is emotional health and all this, but myself first. Excellent. And what really upsets you? What pisses you off? Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So what I can't stand is people who are constantly performing, constantly performing. So um, I, the one half of my family is all musicians, like from my father's side, long line of musicians. Um, my father's African-American. My mother's Caucasian-American. They're both mixed within their colors and I came out all deliciously cocoa colored because of the two of them and on my mother's side there's the waspy money performance and I cannot stand when people can't seem to like to break the character of everything's fine or yeah yeah or I'm 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 the center of the show and I'm the diva and you know I'm gonna create drama wherever I go and ah I (laughs) I can't stand like people who cannot let go of the performance. I see it all the time, especially now because of um, my line of work. It's so hard for people to be able to let go of, well, this is the mask that I'm supposed to portray, right? What's going on behind the mask doesn't matter because here's the mask. Look at this. Um, it For me, it just... Oh, it creates such a guttural reaction, mm. but that fuels me. Like I love, I love my anger. I used to be afraid of it, mm-hmm. um, but I love that it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it's certainly in my in my ex- personal experience and in my professional life, um, getting upset about things is often fuel to get me into action. It is not, I have found for myself, it's not sustainable. It Mm. burns hot and then it crashes quickly. So I can't often stay there and actually be productive and effective in the way I want to be, but it certainly gets me off out of my chair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I need, for me, I need some deeper well of shifting compassion uh, engagement to, to sustain it. Cause otherwise I just yell and scream and then I want to take a nap and have a snack. So not very effective. You know, I mean, it, it moves something through my body, but it doesn't actually affect a lot of change. I mean, physical change in that energy is racing through my body, but nothing moves. And I certainly know that for a lot of the people I think who are listening today and who follow me, I don't love the expression of follow me, but who are interested in unstuffing their lives and so mm. come towards me in in the search for information and material and support that um often they are stuck pre-anger like i mean they're they're just in sadness and sorrow and mm. grief and frustration and overwhelm so i mean anger would at least light a fire under their butts and get them engaged and then on the other side of that how do we, you know, 
Newton's second law of entropy, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. How do we keep them active so that they're not just either ripping shit apart, throwing stuff around, creating more chaos, different, I mean, it feels like there's movement again, right? I mean, like I'm doing something. Well, okay, but I don't think that you're really doing what you want to be doing. I think Mm. you're just creating a new form of chaos. The old form of chaos was piles and mounds of things. And now it's new chaos because you're ripping through stuff, but you don't really know what you're doing. So you're just making a mess. And Mm -hmm. then when you confront the new mess, you're going to have some sadness around, oh, I think I've made a bigger pickle for myself, right? So it's one of those interesting things, I think, in the evolution of mindfulness of awakening oneself that passivity moves possibly to anger, engagement. I want to assert myself and participate in the world. I'm tired of being passive. Now, how do I sustain that and actually be effective as opposed to just churning up energy, which in the moment, again, might feel better because you're doing something, but you can't, you can't live there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like (laughs) the, the way that you summarized that was absolutely delicious. Like that was delicious. Tasted <laughs> so good. <laughs> and with that, the the awakening has got to come first. So I know for me, um, I grew up with one of my parents um, who was like, you know, an angry person. Um, and with respect to them, I won't say who. Just, just really the stuck in the rage cycle, right? And that's because I don't feel heard, right? Is why we're raging, raging, or I don't feel powerful unless like I'm unleashing and instilling fear in order to motivate others around us. And since then, this person has really subdued and healed, which I'm super grateful for. But for myself, the growing up in that sort of an environment then is the opposite. Like I oriented myself to be in rebellion and some of your listeners or watchers, et cetera, may have be this person where, well, I'm going to be the placator or I'm always going to calm everybody or nothing's a problem. Right. <laughs> no, nothing's nothing to calm down. There's nothing for it to myself first. Of course, that, that emotion shut it down. Right. Right. And so for me, the being at a point of loving my anger is my own personal revolution uh, where I understand that instead anger is one of the many emotional tools that I have in this toolbox that can help me carve and build a life by design that's fully actualized. And fully alive, I'm living the the wholeness of my emotional range, rather than experiencing. You know, if if I were a piano, um, as Regina Thomas Hour usually says, if I were piano playing anywhere between an octave of middle C, right. rather than going all 88 keys and riding my life till the wheels fall off. So, yes. So with Beautiful. yeah. For for me, the, the anger is the awakening part, and it's safe, or we have to create an environment where acknowledging what pisses us off is safe and good and positive, but anger in and of herself is fire, 
right? So if, <laughs> if we just go ahead and start lighting things on fire without there being some sort of a container to respect the power of this element that you just activated, it'll consume everything naturally. That's what fire does. But if you have a flamethrower or if you have a candle, if you have a light bulb or campfire, right, etc., mm-hmm. to, to harness and respect the power, instead it becomes an extremely powerful tool that makes it more sustainable. It's a, it's a form of the phrase that drops in for me right now is emotional engineering Mm. where the engineering around the fire respects that natural resource and then we can make it work right uh rather than just lighting things on fire as you're saying and and watching everything burn as satisfying as that can be (laughs) in a moment right i mean the long-term effects are not always what you want exactly All right. So on a scale from one to 10, with that in mind, one being the least organized and 10 being completely organized, where would you place yourself? Oh my goodness. So myself immediately, as you ask that question, I think of, okay, which room is he talking about? (laughs) Some rooms are like, they're at a an eight. They're fabulous. And then there are other rooms. Ooh, that's, that's a, three or four so i think to average that out i'll put myself overall at a six okay (laughs) i i I look forward to improving my organization yeah okay (laughs) so those rooms that are an eight and the rooms that are a three so talk to me just about your relationship with organization did you grow up as an organized child? What, what's your experience around organization and why are some rooms tidy and other rooms less so? Because mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, I'm probably a nine or a nine five, but this is what I do for a living, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm supposedly the most organized man in America. So, I mean, I, there's a high bar to keep up with there. But for the average person who's trying to create greater order in their life, it's a, it is a spectrum. Again, it's few things are, are um, black and white, all or nothing in that way of, um, you know, and then frozen in time, right? I mean, you're an eight, you'll always be an eight, right? That there aren't rooms that are threes or closets that are fours or twos or drawers that are ones. So mm-hmm. God forbid, but you know, that idea that, that it's a process rather than something that's locked in and frozen in time. So just tell us a little bit about um, uh, your relationship with organization, mm-hmm. please. So my relationship with organization is very emotional. And so uh, as a child, um, the few memories that I have, by the way, I, I lost most of my memory uh, because of a trauma that I uh, experienced at age eight. So from eight back, it's a little bit blurry, but I've done a lot of work to remember as best I can. The, some of the visions that I remember were piles and piles just of stuff and toys and bags. And this was emotional padding. Like this is my, if I'm Superman, my fortress of solitude. This is a fortress of crap basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in childhood, that was more of the emotional padding, um, being able to hide behind uh, or underneath so many piles. But uh, since then, um, as I've been more on 
my personal healing journey. Uh, I've regularly declutter. I regularly donate clothes. Um, and for my level of organization now, as I think for my bedroom, for example, that's where I have the most creative expression, but everything is within different, um, open, like I don't like doors, but, um, uh, open shelves that are stacked and placed nicely for, for me because I'm a visual organizer. That's why I need to see things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the, I'm the type of person that as soon as I wake up, I always make my bed. Um, and I have certain routines of the way that I take care of myself, my office, um, there is never anything on the floor unless I'm sitting on the floor. But other than that, I have people place their purses into cubbies. Um, when I'm being more creative, sometimes I'll spread out, but I know I have an f- emotional reaction to seeing that if I'm not being actively creative, I have to put it away. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, what matters most is how I feel. Like I put how I feel an extremely high uh, level of importance. So for me, the way that I've learned to stay my version of organized, although it is absolutely nowhere near perfect, um, but it's functional, Mm -hmm. is by organizing according to where's my creativity cycle at um, and also respecting how organized I am as a reflection of this is going to help me feel less stressful or this is going to relieve my anxiety coming home to um, like my room orderly or leaving my office, making sure that everything is set and ready to be walked in on the next day, etc. This for me, I, I, my relationship with organization is very um, based on emotion and feeling because I've learned more of my behavioral patterns organized around stress management. Mm-hmm. This uh-huh. I want to—I—I I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to. Sure. This is, I think, an important point to make because I think a lot of people who are dealing with stuff with clutter, disorganization, are also very focused on their feelings, and yet they are those feelings of overwhelm, of being burdened, of feeling trapped, and it's interesting. So I think there's a great fix here for folks around emotional regulation, which is what you're talking about as I hear it, that that you're also very focused on your feelings, but taking care of yourself in a way that making the choices that support stress reduction, happiness, ease, peace, serenity, as opposed to these deferral behaviors that then impact your emotional well-being of so it's an interesting thing right i mean that's this the elusive sense of comfort which drives so many people right it's a fantasy comfort it's by not doing this i will be comfortable because it's going to stress me out or it's Mm -hmm. going to take me outside of my comfort zone i'm making air quotes for those of you who are listening um and not watching and uh and so we've got this artificial idea, concept of comfort that we're driving towards. So I don't want anything to rock the boat of comfort. But what I'm actually doing is making choices that are keeping crap around me and in the macro upsetting me and stressing, like freaking out my adrenal system because I'm constantly under attack from all the crap that's around me. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a 
I, when I say funny, I don't mean amusing, but peculiar, pe uh, you know, notable thing that for the folks who are so focused on their feelings, but somehow trapped in stuff, how do we shift them into a, a more self-care feeling focus so that the stress reduction is what's going to drive you to, and I mean, I think about it in a possibly more um, analytical way around living your values, which aren't not tied to your feelings, but still that it's values-based, that it doesn't matter really how you feel in the moment, right? If what you want to do is be a person of integrity and be kind and generous and available to the people around you, what are the choices you need to make to live that rather than hiding out in a retracted, unavailable place because that feels more comfortable in the moment, but actually mm -hmm. doesn't allow you to do anything that you say actually matters to you. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going with this is it's really, it feels like there's a tremendous opportunity here to shift um, a mindset and a behavior around feel, you know, for the people who like their feelings, right? I mean, this is a different way to have your feelings and mm -hmm. honor them and still get the crap out of your way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so what shifted for me um, as a feeling type person was how I make decisions, I, I changed the blueprint behind how I make decisions. Tell us. And with that, it's, okay, in every decision that I make, do I want to be comfortable or do I want to be clear? Excellent. And when I tended towards more clarity, my feelings improved. So it's, it's one thing to create comfort um, behind the illusion and the mask of fear, procrastination, deferral, right, uh, avoidance, and, and all of that. It, and it's different to make a clear decision or, or a decision that creates clarity, such as clearing your desk, for example, and to see the feelings that come after, oh, I do feel better. I feel more comfortable. I feel more relaxed. I feel more fulfilled. I feel proud of myself. I feel self-nurturing in this clarity-based decision. So for me, that blueprint, that fork in the road mm -hmm. really came of, okay, am I a person who makes decisions that are for comfort or for clarity? Ever since I shifted that blueprint so I'm so much has changed. I mean, definitely in the way that I organize myself and approach decisions on um, organizing in different areas, um, not just physical areas, but areas of my life. Sure. The, the value of clarity gives me the courage to make decisions that support me feeling better at a whole different vibration. I used to be in fear and holding in that just like the the rage cycle that we can get into where right. we think that's the only way of like when we were talking before this is the only way i'm going to be heard is by raging around or drama and etc if those are verbs right they are now <laughs> yeah. so with, with that for for me getting out of just creating the the comfort box because I, I had to get clear on I'm creating this comfort box because I'm just scared of what's outside of this comfort box that I've created. So um, being a pack rat before, 
the comfort box that I lived in there was, well, there's all this stuff and I know all of these toys. And I remember when I got this or um, I used to have tons of dried roses. Um, and I, I remember when I got these roses from this person, all this, let alone the fact that it accrues dust or mold or hair and <clears> all of way too. And I'm not, a, I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge feng shui person, but yeah. I know that one of the things is dried, dried dead plants um, and flowers, bad feng shui. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned feng shui because that learning about the psychology of environment, like how you can read yourself in the way that your environment is around you. For me personally, learning about feng shui really helped to sustain the fire of mm. shifting my my blueprint of decision making. We are having that education cycle. So okay, yeah, we have the breakthrough. We have or we have the blow up, right? right. If we're I am embracing anger now. Dun, 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 right? If we have have the blow up, what what sustains us afterward? It's gotta be education. And there's this the wisdom of others, right, who've gone before us, who are who have been gracious enough to leave behind different blueprints and patterns for how things are done, or the wisdom of those in our community who want to give back, who want to volunteer, who want to support others who are making a transformation, going for your education on how can I sustain this different level, this new level of, of living, I believe, is after you have your moment where you're deciding to put your stake in the ground and say no more i'm going i'm getting clear or i'm i'm going to tell you what i really think this actually pisses me off and i'm going to give myself permission for me that's like a personal revolution being able to do that um as like a as a minimizer this leads us to unstuff america this is perfect so let's talk about when you hear the expression unstuff america what does that mean to you i mean since we're talking about the personal awakening then allowing you and the idea that people have left breadcrumbs or Mm. blueprints even better than breadcrumbs, right? Of ways to transform the self and then engage more in community, whatever that means to you. What talk to me about on stuff America, when you first heard that, what, what, what did that prompt for you? Well, it was an immediate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's that. That was my guttural reaction was, yes. And after that, <laughs> <laughs> what Unstuff America means to me is first and foremost, an acknowledgement of how over, overfilled, how do we say, over, overstuck. I mean, there's so much that we've padded and covered ourselves in. There's too much, we've been completely overexposed to food, media, the um, com- commercialism, all of the, there's so many items that we're, there's, we're stuffed to the max. Our bodies are showing it. For me, like I started going down more of a physical route and I thought how obesity um, is an epidemic in this country and that's mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, it's a first world problem and well, we've got it. Um, and so for me, unstuffing America would mean that removing these pads of protection, I, I projected onto that, honestly. Go, go. So 
removing the pads of protection that we've put around us between really being honest and open and communicative and connected um, first within ourselves, right? Really owning up to our own uh, healing journey, but then also with others, which is a whole nother level of courage. Like it's, it's a certain level of courage to, to do that within. And then it's another to do that without. And then um, I love the, the political point of view that you have where um, not just between each other interpersonally, but now in the, the, the way of governance and unstuffing, unstuffing um, governance. In a previous life, within this lifetime, I used to be a medical billing and coding manager. Um, so this is more of my corporate experience. And sitting on the phone with Medicare for about a good five hours a day and the red tape and then the the people that are just so shut down throughout the insurance industry and it's a giant game that if you just learn how to press this button this button this button tons of money comes out and it's gross um, oh, that's that's another yeah. thing that I feel very strongly about but our government herself is so extremely um disorganized and stuff that in order for uh, the people to connect and share what we need with her, it's uh, again, another level of courage that we have to move through and sift through and clear through. So this unstuffing of America, I've, I've seen it in different levels personally, starting within the body, going all the way out mm -hmm. um, to the government. And it's really just, confronting the the fear box right the the box that we've created to protect us against that which we're afraid of or might appear um uncomfortable but are we deciding to make decisions are, are we making decisions based on i'm increasing my comfort or i'm increasing my clarity in life yeah. we're going for clarity I'm, i vote for clarity certainly yeah i mean i think that that's mm -hmm. um that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. It is, uh, yeah, it's disturbing to me. Obviously, this is why I created this platform, because I feel like so many of the choices that we make are about this illusory sense of comfort, as if we can avoid the big issues, whether that's sexism, racism, classism, all of the things that divide us and keep us in this tug of war around resources and accessibility and actual human safety that, uh, and access to uh, participating and, and being seen and, and uh, feeling safe in your neighborhood, uh, on a street, anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, your neighborhood, anybody's neighborhood. Uh, any town USA, that idea that um, that we, through unconscious reactivity, we've built a system that doesn't support us in a fundamental way. Mm. And because I am a um, a cynical optimist or an op <laughs> optimistic cynic. 
I believe that change can happen, right? I mean, I don't think that it's so far gone that we can't, I mean, even with what, whatever the, the, some of the scientific predictions around climate change are, like we've crossed the line, there's nothing, you know, we're all just going to drown in the ocean as it raises above sea level. And I mean, that may happen. And still, we're here today. So what can we do today, right? I mean, I'm not interested in resigning and just saying, well, screw it. I guess we're just going to have to live with the consequences, right? I mean, at any moment, we can affect change in a direction. And for me, certainly, our ability to engage or re-engage and shape the world in, in the ways that we want to see it and certainly from my point of view, one that is more open, transparent, honest, compassionate, kind, generous, there's plenty for everybody there, mm-hmm. unless we get into a hoarding weird situation where people are making choices based on fear. I mean, you're here for a limited period of time. There's only so much you can eat, drink, smoke, wear, have sex with, you know, mm-hmm. live inside of at some point enough is enough and i don't necessarily need the government to determine what that is i think if you have any sense of clarity and and perspective it's pretty clear what enough is mm-hmm. and well i just wanted to jump in there because yeah. as i'm witnessing all this all this beautiful intention of the, the kindness the ability to move forward etc that you're expressing I, I'm, I'm sensitized to the fact that this comes from a belief that you have the power. You have the power at any given point in time to change your mind, to change your life, to change the course of things. That, I get the chills as I say that to you. Having that as a belief in and of itself is the seed of revolution. So for those of you who are listening and watching us, you know, riff and love on each other and love on you, please know that right now you have the power. There's things that can happen in life. And I'm speaking to you from my heart, from the base of my stomach. Uh, as I, as I invoke this, there are awful things that can happen in life, you know, um, traumas, losing loved ones, um, disasters, whether natural or unnatural, um, just mean or really bad people. There's so many awful things that can happen that would convince us, right? And I'm pointing to the hind brain back here that would convince us on a subconscious level that you are essentially powerless. And that is a lie. It is definitely a lie. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are infinitely powerful. Whoever is listening to this, you are infinitely powerful to affect change in your own personal life, in your personal environment, you know, certainly when it comes to stuff, clutter, disorganization, time management, and then beyond your home, right? I mean, if you're unhappy with the books that your kids are being allowed to read or not allowed to read at the school board, if you're, unset, if you're upset about how your municipal government is dealing with recycling and mm-hmm. uh, green policies, um, uh, if you're upset about the way the the county or the state is legislating uh, access to health care, um, if you're upset about the way the federal government is talking about health care or taxes or anything, you have the ability to affect change. It isn't. It might be a a deeply compromised 
ineffective system, mm -hmm. it is still a system and you still have agency. And it is essential that you know that, tap into that deep in your gut and hold on to that, that nobody can take that away from you. I mean, I, far beyond the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, you don't need somebody, you don't need Thomas Jefferson or John Adams to tell you that you have certain inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. Those are yours. I mean, you're here on the planet for as long as you're here, you have agency to affect change. And um, as you have shared with us, Victoria, and certainly, I mean, my own personal life, uh, I, I know what it's like to be powerless and I know what it's like to assert agency and shift things in the way that you want to see them happen. And I'm not always happy. I don't always get what I want. Uh, sometimes that's actually a blessing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and still, uh, I get to participate in the way that I want to, and I get to make mistakes, and I get to have successes. And all of that is the process of being on the planet and mm -hmm. breathing and being sentient. Mm -hmm. So it, everybody is allowed to do that. And it, it, in fact, you were built to do it. That's right. So not doing it is, I mean, imagine the energy that you're exerting daily on yourself to prevent yourself from having agency, regardless of what's happening outside of you, right? I mean, regardless of, again, all of those isms that might be at play that are trying to dismantle your agency, what are you doing that's enabling that to have more influence over you than it normally would mm -hmm. outside of your home? Mm -hmm. you, you can throw off those shackles immediately you do not need to be bound by any of that it's it's that's a simple not always easy but a simple mindset shift that's available to you mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. absolutely you know change can happen in an instant because you made the decision right then and there all right i do have power i'm going to claim it and when you do it rushes back to you so yeah. this is this is the thing about Comfort is another thing that I, I learned when I was shifting my blueprint. The, the desire for comfort or these uncomfortable feelings, I understand I was having them on purpose, right? The, the discomfort that I have or the things that annoy me or that I'm complaining about, etc., that's energy for me. That's a tool that's, that's there for me to use. The energy is the capacity for work, by the way, by definition. So the the energy that I'm having or the emotion that I'm having of discomfort or dis-ease or I'm, I could funnel it into the act of complaining and maintaining or I could take that energy and funnel it into the act of revolutionizing, shifting and changing things, right? It's, it's up to you what you decide to use that energy with, uh, but please know that you do have power. This, this is, you're not just feeling these things for, for no reason or that this is just the way things happen. And you're having that feeling because every single moment you have that choice. It's like, okay, are you going to use this or are you going to maintain it? So, yeah. Excellent. So as we wrap up, any last thoughts, anything you want to share with us, uh, the fellow on stuffers as we, um, as we wind down? Mm -hmm. It's been great having this conversation with you. I just want to give you a, a, a last platform and also let everybody know um, where they can find out more about you and your work and um, the things that are going on in your, in your professional life that you want to share with folks. Oh, yay. Thank you. So 
Well, I, I always, my number one value in life is, is love. Um, it permeates everything that I do, uh, everything that I am, everyone that I attracted to my life, including you, Andrew. I'm so grateful um, to be connected with you. And so where I would want to leave people with, um, other than an invitation to come and uh, claim their free MP3 over at my website, uh, naturalintuition.com, there's a healing meditation there. For, for those of you where you're still processing uh, how you feel, you can really use some grounding, go ahead and hop over there at naturalintuition.com. But I would want to land um, this in a space of, of love. Every revolution, every decision um, that you experience in your life, let it stem from a place of love. Let, let the decision to um, let that bag of stuff go, right? Or to let mm. that person um, go. Let it stem from a place that is from love. Every time that you want to write your, um, your council members, or if you want to shift something uh, in the governing body, and, or if you need to go on camera uh, right, to defend yourself or others, let it come from a place of love. Let go of fear. Fear is not sufficient. It's, it's not enough energy for what you're here to create, um, whether you're under the sound of my voice or I can look you in the eye right now as you're watching this. Let your next big leap, your next courageous decision come from a place of love. You're born from love. You can find it. I know there's some of you who are listening right now saying, this is ridiculous. No, I, I can't find a loving placing, but I'm holding positive expectation and belief in the fact that you are listening to this right now, that yes, you are capable of coming from love, regardless of the situation. That is a well of energy and resource that'll give you the, this, the sustenance, the nourishment that you need to make it through. Mm, what a perfect way to wrap up. Thank you so much, Sensei Victoria, for sharing your wisdom big-hearted love fest with us all here at unstuff america you can find out more about victoria at again natural, natural intuition intuition.com and of course you find more episodes here at unstuff america and uh, andrewmellon.com thanks for a great a great session uh, I'll look forward to seeing everybody uh, back here for another session of unstuff america and sensei you rock. Thanks for listening to Unstuff America. If you like the podcast, the best compliment you can give us is to share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.